didn't necessarily plan to continue this episode, but I didn't even read half the stuff. And then there's even more that I flipped to to read as well. So I'm going to pick up and make part two and I'll probably release it the same day too, because the episode that I have next probably will be, I don't know, probably be something different or timely, like I said. So yeah. So before I start this episode, cause it's a whole new episode and somebody may be listening to this a different day. Let's open up and start with prayer. So dear heavenly father, thank you for this day and thank you for everything that you provided for each and every one of us. I pray Lord that you would give us a revelation of your perfect plan because there's nothing that catches you by surprise and that everything that is done in our life, it works together for the good of those that love you. So teach us Lord to love you and to understand how that love, that faith that we put in your grace that you've given us is a life or death decision. I pray Lord that you would help us to realize how important it is for us to be obedient because the wrath of God only comes on the children of disobedience, Lord. For we know in that story when you told about the parable of the talents that the one that only had one talent, the one that you only gave a little bit to, a little bit of grace to, that they were so afraid and they moved with fear because of fear for the first that are cast into hell, that they were moved with fear and they were cowardly. And they knew that the master was a hard man, a person who was strict. We know that you have a lot to follow, but we know that you also judge of the intention of our heart. But let us not let that be a failure to use the grace for your glory. Not Let that not be a failure to do your will, to do diligence, Lord, to do everything as unto you in our life, to neglect the ministry and then neglect the calling, Lord. Let us not use this as an excuse to be slothful in the thing that you've called us to do, Lord, and to our destruction, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that anything that we are delivered, just like in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, it said that that wicked man that was in the church, he was delivered unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that he may be saved. I pray, Lord, that every situation of destruction, Lord, that you would give us revelation of that situation, Lord, in each and every one of our lives, and whatever may be going around in our lives, and those in our circle of influence, Lord, that we would be edifying and be able to speak that word having the ears of the learn and the tongue of the learn that would bring edification and bring your glory for you, your business. The point of your spirit is always to bring restoration at the end of the day. So I pray, Lord, that you would tear down all the pride, Lord, and that you would give us a spirit of meekness and humility, Lord, not just for our sakes, but to forbear with others, because you did not necessarily call us to tolerate, but you called us to forbear. Tolerance isn't just allowance, but forbearing bears the burden with the person, forgives the person, and brings the person with that burden to a better place. Lord, so we pray, Lord, that your restoration and your comforter, our helper, our deliverer, that you would work within us, Lord, that you would be our refuge and that you would lead us and guide us so that everything 
that happens to us, that we would live in a state of thanksgiving, that we would live in a state of praise because that is what you inhabit and that is what you enjoy and that is what you use to bless for all things work together for the good of those that love you. As John 14 and 15 and 15 and 14 say, those that love you obey you and keep your commandments. So enlighten our eyes, break all the veils of deception, open our ears, Lord, give us the ears of the learned and the tongue of the learned. Put a coal to our lips and shut up within our bones. Lead us and guide us in your perfect will. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name I pray. Amen. So I only read two scriptures for real last episode, and I had a f- quite a few more. Most of the ones we're going to be reading from today are Psalms. I may reference other ones, but the m- major portion are going to be in Psalms. And I planned on reading all these Psalms, and I only ended up reading one Psalm and the prophecy of Jeremiah. But today, in this episode, which is the same day that I'm recording it. I still felt like I should finish out this, the stuff that was given to me. And then also the little bit that was added to it. And most of it is going to be Psalms that are in order. And then there's going to be a jump to the new stuff as well. But starting out with Psalm 60, and it says the following in verse one, for the end of them, that shall yet be changed for an inscription by David for instruction when he had buried, burned Mesopotamia, not buried, burned Mesopotamia of Syria and Syria Sobel and Joab had returned and smitten in the valley of salt 12,000. O God, thou hast rejected and destroyed us. Thou hast been angry, yet hast pitied us. Mercy and truth, once again. He was angry, and what a, we have to remember the, the goodness and severity. And right now I'm focusing a lot of the severity, and very soon I hope that, hopefully, can't make any promises, but hopefully I get to make that episode of goodness because I had such a revelation about the goodness of God, for me anyway. May not be revelatory to anybody else, but it was revelatory for me, and I'd like to make that episode. But right now, I still have to focus on the severity right now so oh god thou hast rejected us and destroyed us thou hast been angry yet has pitied us mercy and truth verse 2 thou hast shaken the earth and troubled it heal its breaches for it has been shaken thou hast shown thy people hard things notice and i like i said i'll make an episode hopefully Hopefully I'll make an episode about the breaches and peace and the walls and stuff like that. But usually breach has to do with a covenant. So our obedience is a sign that we're walking in covenant. We're walking in the spirit and against such there is no law, according to Galatians five. So any breach sealing the tiny cracks, as I've talked about a few times in a, a few episodes, something I heard in prayer about a year or so ago to seal all the tiny cracks. Those cracks are places where we're not walking in agreement with God. Peace, not following after peace in our life. So it's very important that if there are any things that are breached, that we have that healed. So he has healed its breaches for it has been shaken. Thou has shown that people hard things that has made us to drink wine of astonishment. Wine is always synonymous with judgment, even drunkenness, but wine from God is always synonymous with ju- judgment as well. Thou has given a token to them that fear thee 
that they might flee from the bow, that thy beloved ones may be delivered. Save me with thy right hand and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice and divide Sycamore to and measure out the valley of tents. Galad is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is the strength of my head. Judas is my king. Moab is the cauldron of my hope. Over Edom will I stretch out my shoe. The Philistines have been subjected to me. Notice it mentions some people, places like Judas or Judah and Ephraim. Those are already places that are in Manasseh, Galilee. Those are places within the kingdom of God already. Maybe they may have gone astray in some areas or not. I don't know. But I talked about those places, but I also talked like about places like Moab and the Philistines. And even those places were subject to him. All these places are mine. This is what God has spoken in his holiness. This is his. He's set these places apart for their purposes. It talks about throughout the Bible as you read in Deuteronomy and Joshua, how it talks about how God, when he took over places, that it would be a curse unto the Lord. So things are blessed unto God, but things are also a curse unto God. Let anyone that departs from the way of God, not the way of tradition, not the way of theology, not the way of he said, she said, the way of God. Anyone that departs from the words of God in the New Testament, New Testament in this time period, so-called of grace, dispensation of grace. That's not what that means. The but in this, even in the so-called New Testament, it says if anyone strays away from the way of God, the way that he's spoken, the word of God, the way of Jesus, let them be accursed. So this is the things he's spoken in his holiness. He's spoken in his separated state, the separation word, that word that divides a peace that unites yet divides, unites around the truth and divides off in all falsehood. Okay. So God is taking territory and putting everything in its place. So verse nine, who will lead me into the fortified city? Who will guide me? As far as Edoma, wilt not thou, O God, who has cast us off, wilt not thou, O God, go forth with our forces? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the deliverance of man. And God will ye do valiantly, and he shall bring to not hit them that harass us. So there's going to be times in our life. In this situation, we see David. He's about to go into a way of victory, but right now he's talking about how he feels destroyed and he feels rejected from God. But what was the purpose of that? He still learned to trust in God, even when it felt like God wasn't working for him. He also learned that deliverance will never come from a man, even an anointed man. It doesn't necessarily come. It's vain because if it's A man so-called delivered you. It's not the man that delivered you. It was God that delivered you through that man. So he wasn't looking for a man. He said, give us help, O God, in the time of trouble. You need to go forth with our forces. You need to go forth with our efforts because the plans we can devise anyway, but God establishes our steps. All of our plans, all of the things that we do are vain because God is the only one that will do what we need to be done. He will work the valiant way. 
and he will bring to naught everyone that is harassing those children of God that are doing the right thing. So this is a twofold thing. He talked about the destruction and rejection that he felt as a child of God that was really for chastening to correct him and to keep him on the right path. And he also talked about the destruction of his enemies at the same time. So there's a twofold revelation and it's a holiness revelation. It's that dividing line. There's no gray area. So he talked about what was his and what was subject to him. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. So there are the two choices that you have to make within your soul. That's like the whole thing with what the soul is. I know I always talk about how I really plan to make a whole episode about this, hopefully. But the life of one is in the blood. Okay. And then you know that the blood has light within it. And also the blood also has water within it. The blood is a mixture, a meeting place in between the soul and the spirit. And our soul will leave our body. It's our body. And it will either go after the destruction of the flesh or it will be renewed and turned into a living spirit because the spirit that we have isn't necessarily it's life, of course, but it's going back to God. But we will be turned into our own living spirit one day if we submit to the way of God. So this is a choice really right here. This shows the two different paths that we could take the way of the flesh or the spirit. The soul is the place of decision. So right now, this whole life that we live is a valid decision. Wow, I didn't even think of that. The whole life that we live right now, the time that we're giving in this realm of time, we must choose internally our place in eternity. So our soul, God, and it's a don't fear man, which can just only kill the flesh, but fear God who can destroy the flesh and the soul, the soul and the body. So as long as they're following God, they're God. Even when he destroys other things, we must make sure that our soul is not destroyed, but that we follow after him all the way in holiness. For he has spoken in his holiness and his word will not return void. And if we are walking in his wills, his will, any of those briars in our life, any of the bad things will eventually be turned into good. The ashes will be turned into joy. You know, the ashes will be turned into beautiful things. The morning will be turned into joy. So. It's very important for us to examine where is our trust? The whole Christian walk is about love and trust. Psalm 125, they that trust in the Lord shall be not shall not be removed, but shall abide forever. So the force that we're working with, the spirit that we're working with is based on what we put our trust in totally, what our heart is after, what our mind mentally is after all these different things. So that's another revelation of destruction and continuing on chapter 61. Oh God, hearken to my petition, attend to my prayer from the ends of the earth. Have I cried to thee when my heart was in trouble, thou liftest me up upon up on a rock. Thou didst guide me because thou wert my hope, a strength a tower of strength from the face of the enemy. I will dwell in thy tabernacle forever. I will shelter myself under the shadow of thy wings. Pause. For thou, O God, hast heard my prayers. Thou hast given me an inheritance, given an inheritance to them that fear thy name. Thou shalt add days to the king, and thou shalt lengthen his years to all generations. He shall endure forever before God. 
which of them will seek out his mercy and truth. So will I sing to thy name forever and ever that I may perform my vows daily. Now, that one may not feel so much of a psalm of destruction, but it really is. It's still going along with the overall theme. And I have one more verse in this order, and then I'm going to skip ahead to some others. But he was focused on God. His petition was to God. He inclined unto God. His strength and his refuge is ultimately on God. He did make mistakes, but he sought after the way of mercy and truth, not just mercy. So not just tolerance and not just truth, because what happened when you're only sought truth? And it was really interesting. I actually listened to this sermon from Donnie McClurkin and it was on the anointing and it kept popping up on my feet, popping up, popping up, popping up. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want to listen to him. I've listened to one of his sermons or two and they weren't bad. They're actually pretty good. And I also have respect for him and his stance and his change and even his reproof in his own life um, in the sense that he was involved in, but to take a stand against them and to change, that's something that I can applaud. But Anyways, in that episode, uh, which I'll probably link below, he's talking about the anointing and then he shifted into some other topics, but still was talking about the anointing. But he was talking about how the Pharisees caught that woman in the act and it was truthful by the law and they just dragged her out. They didn't drag out the man that was also involved in the act. They only dragged out the adulteress, not the adulterer alone. So we see when you're not even then, if you're not operating in mercy, you're really not even operating in the full truth, because if you're operating in the full truth, you would find yourself convicted and you would convict not with favoritism, not with hypocrisy, not with partiality or respect of persons, but you would judge righteously in all judgment to all people equally. So that's why it's when you start to do that, you include yourself and then you realize I need mercy. So I need to give mercy. I need forgiveness. So I need to give forgiveness. That's the type of revelation we need to prevent our destruction. So he said, I will seek out his mercy and truth, that mercy and truth be bound to us all the ways of the Lord. His holiness is mercy and truth. So what happened with those Pharisees? They brought them to Jesus and they were trying to destroy Jesus or destroy this lady. But either way, they were hoping to bloodshed some way. Another sign of foolishness, their greed and their and their bloodshed. They were bloodthirsty at the end of the day. Their, their goal was not actually to see the truth come to light, but to use it for their own advantage. So that's why you must have mercy and truth together, not to make excuses for people and to live in lasciviousness, which will also lead to destruction as well. But to have mercy and truth together. What did Jesus say? He wrote on the ground and he said, whoever has no sin, let him throw the first stone. The only one eligible there, the judge, Jesus is the judge. Remember, he's the only judge. And then we may execute judgment according to the Bible, but Jesus is ultimately the judge. So we should not be seeking to just see the destruction of people. But Jesus said, whoever has no sin at all, let him cast the first stone and no one can throw a stone. They couldn't kill Jesus because he outsmarted him through the foolishness. And they also couldn't kill the, the adulterer either. But the thing was, they would have had to kill themselves because they were sinners. The thing is, they didn't even kill the man that was involved. So and like I like the point that he also made in that, too. He talked about how people who are just religious vainly and not actually following after the spirit. Now, religion is not a bad thing, but religious vainly without the spirit truth without mercy truth without restoration attached to it 
they have a murderous way. They have a way of respecting persons. Even in that situation, they respected the man more than the woman because they didn't care enough to bring the man out and also make the point. But they only brought the woman out. So there was favoritism there. But maybe in another system, it would have been another way around, you know. So that was just one example that he made. And it's really true. Even within holiness, we can crucify a woman all day, but we don't hold a man to be accountable in holiness movements where and this is not all there is to holiness, but it is important. So I'm not neglecting it either way. But a lot of these holiness movements, uh, which is not just apostolic because there's other holiness churches that mean holiness in the sense of just modesty, which is much, much deeper than that. And it's very important that your heart is right and not just trusting outwardly because the kingdom of God doesn't necessarily come with observation. So you shouldn't be offensive in the things that you wear and stirring up lust in other people. But you also it's not just about that your heart has to be right first because you could still go to hell looking like a saint, but not being a saint. So you need to be a saint, not just look the part, be the part, not just this ain't Halloween because the devil loves Halloween. We not just dress it up, but we need to be it, not just a hearer, but a doer, not just a reader, but a doer of the word, not forgetting our identity, but living the identity. So following at the mercy and truth determines our own judgment, determines our own destruction. So it's very important that we forbear, bear with people as they move forward. So not people who are selling out or as my cousins, my little cousins say it all the time, selling, not people who are selling according to God, but people who are really seeking after the will of God, forbearing with them, forgiving them as they make progress, pushing them towards progress, forbearing with them, not tolerance. That's not what this is about. And then, yes, he sought the way of God. He made God his refuge. So it's very important that as Solomon wrote in Proverbs, David's son, with his mind, he had a very good mind for the majority of his life until he let women come in his life. But he said, let mercy and truth be bound to his neck. That's the way we should live. That's the yoke that we should use in our judgment, mercy and truth. That's the way of the Lord. And that also determines our own destruction. So on to the next Psalm, Psalm chapter 62. And it says the following shall not my soul be subjected to God for of him is my salvation. So we have destruction or salvation for he is my, my God and my savior, my helper. I shall not be moved very much. How long will ye assault a man? Ye are all slaughtering as with a bowed wall and a broken hedge. Notice the bowed wall or a leaning wall and a broken hedge, a broken hedge of protection. Remember what I was saying about peace. I didn't go too, too deep with it, but I've made the basic point. They only took counsel to set at not mine honor. Counsels are thoughts. It's not even necessarily just talking to people, even though you get thoughts from people as well. Same thing with devices. Touching Satan's devices gives you Satan's thoughts, plans. But devices, councils, really even with the video games or different things we use with technology, councils, thoughts, those are producers of something. So that's important as well, too. But that's not even, not even, that was just random. That one was free. But you notice council and devices usually come together, even in technology, because they're computers. They produce thought. So 
the counsels of God, when it talks about the counsel of God, it's the mindset, it's the thoughts. His thoughts are not our thoughts, which is why we have to crucify our flesh, our lust, and affections, the way that we think. Affections, that's a deeper level than just lust. The affections are our mindsets. Affection is all about the mind. It's not about the heart. It's deeper than the heart. It's the mind. So, another one is reigns. It's two. It talks about, you know, the God being the belly. So, that's another part also of your soul is your reins because it talks about how your gut the way that you eat you know it talks about gluttons and slow bellies the way that you eat your liver actually affects your heart and your mind so it's kind of like a third brain almost or a second brain so it's very interesting how all that connects and i know i very rarely even mention that as well but your reins also have an effect on you as well but anyways they took counsel to set at not mine honor i ran and thirst with their mouth, they blessed, but with their heart, they cursed. So people were faking the funk. They were acting like they were friends, but they really hated the person. Nevertheless, do thou, O my soul, be subjected to God. For of him is my patient hope. For he is my God and my Savior, my helper. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. He is the God of my help, and my hope is in God. Hope in him, all ye congregation of the people. Pour out your hearts before him, for God is our helper. But the sons of men are vain. The sons of men are false, so as to be deceitful in the balances. Remember what I was talking about last last episode in this series talking about the false balance the deceitful balance it's an abomination to god it produces bad future with you and god a bad omen abomination that's what it means but uh, it's also something that god just straights up hate we have to cleave to that which is good effective to god and abhor that which is evil something that is defective to god because it's not working in the way that god minds it to work meaning that it's not working in its purpose anything that is good is working in its purpose purpose when things listen and obeyed god he called them good and anything that deviated from it he did not call good so it's very important that we have good balances but they use deceitful balances they are all they are all alike formed out of vanity so they were operating out of vanity and they were false and they were deceitful trust not in unrighteousness and lust not after robberies if wealth should flow in set not your heart upon it so keep your focus not on blessings or what things feel like blessings or what things feel like curses but focus on god is what we need to focus on so he said set if wealth should flow in set not your heart upon it god has spoken once and i have heard these two things that power is of god and mercy is thine o lord for thou will recompense everyone according to his works remember god will not be mocked he will always reward someone according to their works it's very important that our heart is working right our mind is working right our hands are working right our spirit is working right it's very important that everything that we're doing we're doing holy as unto the lord so we see there that his word is important his word is quick and powerful and anyone that is operating out of god will speak with word and with power the effectual power that is working within us the power that he's given into the internal man that he's strengthened us with 
So it's not just an outward thing. It's an inward thing because the kingdom of God is within you. That is what it's all about. It's getting the within correct because what we do internally, it's going to determine where we end up eternally. Okay. So it's very important that we understand that. And that will also affect, you know, how things affect us when destruction comes, when the rain falls on the just and the judge and the sun rises on the uh, just and the unjust. And that's one thing, too. People don't realize that the sun can be a good thing, but it also cannot be a good thing. But the rain isn't even necessarily a bad thing. It talked about even when it rains, don't keep your focus on the rain. Keep your focus on the one that controls the rain. So a lot of people use that to be a bad thing, but that's a modern understanding. But in an agricultural society, rain is always a good thing. And you just want plenty of rain because that means plenty of growth. So, and I love this, my youth pastor out in college, the youth pastor at the church at POD, his name is brother Brandon Dalton, shout out if you're listening. But he was talking about one of the last sermons he preached before I left to go back home. He was talking about how a lot of times we keep praying for God to stop the rain, but the blessing is the cloud. The cloud above us is the blessing that keeps raining on us. It feels like it's raining on a parade. And like I said, with this modern mindset where we're taught evil is good and good is evil, a lot of times, and even when we're operating out of our flesh with lust against the spirit, that desires against the spirit, there's a lot of times God is using something to bless you, even something that you did wrong. He can use to bless you because your heart is right. At the end of the day, a lot of times we look and we're so angry. God, make it stop. Blah, 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 blah. But that's the blessing. That cloud is the blessing. The rain that is coming out of the cloud because it's of that falsehood that the people who are falsehood who will operate out of the air of Balaam, a.k.a. foolishness. These people who are operating out of the world's wisdom, they speak great vain words. They're like clouds that don't have rain. What a sad thing. That means they have no power. But when we're operating out of God, we will have the former and the latter rain. The rain will fall upon us and we will not see it for evil. We will not only prophesy blessing, but we will also prophesy what the will of God is, all the judgment of God, even the destruction, the rebuke and the reproof that brings forth edification. That's another thing, too. When God judges, you know, it talks about a lot burning with fire, whatever. The thing is, and this kind of goes along with anointing, too. The fire of God, it may destroy, but it's like I said, it's his light. It's his fire, the spirit of burning. The purpose of the destruction of God is always to bring revelation to what the thing is really. So I know I really could have said that in a better way. But the point of the fire is to bring light and to bring truth as well so it sheds light on the situation this may look like this but this is what it really is and also it's going to test what the material is made out of if it's something that can be shaken it will be shaken but if it's something that will not be shaken it will be left behind so that's why it is important for us to trust in unshakable things because one day in the day of visitation everything will be proved so the destruction of god the point of it also is to bring revelation the fire of god the thing is, if we live daily and we die daily for Christ, then when the fire comes, it's always going to be a good thing. It's going to show that we're good and that we've been tried all the way, that we've been purified. We've been perfected in Christ and we press towards the mark. We're continuing to grow. But when you have no desire to look at that, when that fire comes, it's going to destroy everything that you have. And if you're not settled on a God, it'll destroy you as well. But if you're a child of God, everything you have may be destroyed. 
but it's mercy because God showed you while you still have time. This visitation showed you you're not right. So go on ahead and get everything fixed. Be thankful that I showed you that this ain't right. And same thing with the flood. And with the flood comes and you in that house, you're going to die. It didn't necessarily say the same thing there with the person who brought built his house upon a rock versus sand. So we need to build our house on sure things because everything the Lord does is sure. Does that mean that we know for sure what God is doing? Yes, we know for sure that God will bring us out and his will will be accomplished. Does that mean we'll understand everything? Peace passes understanding. So sometimes this peace gives us understanding, but peace passes understanding, meaning that doesn't mean you have understanding don't have any understanding your understanding is so strong that even though you can't understand everything in the flesh you understand in the spirit it passes your understanding it surpasses the flesh and wickedness and foolishness and it through his spirit we have understanding that surpasses understanding we have that peace that because we're in agreement with god that everything will come to pass as it should Everything should, will happen as it should. And ultimately, it will be for the glory of God and for the good of us, because we are working effectively in the goodness of God. So I'm going to fast forward and I'm going to change back to the KJV Bible to Psalm 81. And I actually have my notes here. I've only read it a few times, but this is a good one. So it says the following, starting with verse one, Psalm 81, verse one, sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a palm and bring hither the temporal, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon, in the time appointed in our solemn feast days. For this was a statute for Israel and a law of the God of Jacob. For he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt, where he, I heard a language that I understood not. Notice the testimony. It talks about the statutes and the laws. But notice the testimony isn't necessarily about our witness, but what God did. So a lot of times, you know, we can focus on us with the testimony, but the testimony is God. The spirit of the testimony is God, the things that he's doing, his Holy Ghost working in us and around us, above all, through all and in you all. That is the testimony of Christ and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what is this prophetic thing doing in Egypt? Well, we know what it did. It brought deliverance at the end of the day. So verse six, I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou calledest in trouble and I delivered thee. So the purpose of the trouble, the trouble situations that they had, their spirits may have been, even been troubled, but their heart were not supposed to be troubled because they should have had their trust in God. But the purpose of the trouble was to place their heart in a place of trust of God. So the destruction that came forth for, to them was to chasten them, to teach them to learn the ways of God and to trust them. So thou calledest in trouble and I delivered thee. I answered thee and prove in the secret place of thunder. I prove thee at the waters of Meribah, Meribah meaning strife or contention. So in the waters, in the way of your own way, strife is going on your own way. Contention is based off of, you know, strife and selfish ambition. That's what this is about. So in the place of your own ambition, there you were proved. Okay. 
So when you're walking in your own way, God still proved himself. So verse eight, hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken unto my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. It's exactly what Romans chapter 1 talks about. The reprobate way. So the people who are operating out of falsehood, even in the church, like I said, He's going to give them up into their own heart. So they're going to begin to believe weird things, but they're still going to act like they're professing God. They're going to begin to do weird things and foolish things, but they're going to continue to profess that they're wise. They're going to be given over into strange lust. Oftentimes it's going to be secret homosexuality at the end of the day, because that's the ultimate perversion is to get people to fornicate. That's the number one sin that nobody preaches anymore because a lot of churches have it within their church. You can't preach against something that you do not partake in and that you don't believe in. So that's part of the reason why nobody touches it, because they know it's true, but they're more focused on man and not God. But most of the time it's going to manifest in fornication, strange fornication, especially in homosexual desires and lust. And that's something that is more prevalent than more people think than it is. So it is very important that we walk in the ways of God or else he will give you over and that you will self-destruct in your strife unless you learn from your reprobate ways, your counterfeit ways, your deceptive ways that the way of God is the best way. So verse 13, oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. I should have I soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey out of the rock. Should I have satisfied thee? So the thing that delays the judgment of God on your enemies, the destruction that is righteous is your unrighteousness. So God eventually will get to the unrighteous people. But remember, everything starts with the church, a.k.a. everything starts with the Jew first, then the Gentile. Now, in the flesh, the Jews are still the Jews, not necessarily, you know, what people we've been made to believe is the Jews, because the Bible says that people will not be in the land. The people who are Jews in the Bible will not be in the land until the end. So and it said the land of Israel will be trodden down by Gentiles up until the time of the end. And it also talks about how they are going to worship the star of their God, Rephraim, which is Saturn and a six pointed star. It also says that there is people who will claim to be uh, Jews, but they're actually the synagogue of Satan. So long story short, what I'm saying is there's a lot of people that are charlatans along with the Catholic church. It's that as well. So it's very important that we are going off of the biblical interpretation and that we're not just looking at the flesh, but it says that Israel will be blind and they will not know who they are. So the people of Israel today probably do not know who they are and they won't know until as things approach to the end of the world. That's what the Bible says, but you don't have to believe me, throw it out. If you don't like it, at the end of the day, 
whatever the truth is, it's going to manifest. And I believe it's going to manifest within the next 20, 30 years, but maybe not, maybe not. Who am I to say? The point is at the end of history, God's story, we will know. But the other point is, is things are going to happen first in the church. Like I said, the church is not a place. It's a people and it's really a spiritual people. So there's the Israel in the flesh and then there's Israel in the spirit. All nations are going to be blessed through Abraham. So anyone who submits to that spirit of God is made a part of that nation in the spirit. So what happens there then the judgment and destruction comes to you first and then it comes to the Gentiles. So until you turn your heart towards God, it delays the proper judgment. And what happened to this people who disobeyed God and murmured and complained? It added 40 years. A lot of there's a lot of 40 years, 400 years, but a lot of four and 400, you know, fours. And that what four is usually a sign of delay. Actually, I didn't even think about that until now. But usually four is a sign of delay. Egypt, um, not Egypt. Moses, his calling was delayed. Israel was delayed. Israel being in Egypt, that was a delay into the promises of God. God still accomplishes promises, but because of people's disobedience, delay. Four is delay. So it's very important that we do not delay because in the time of delaying things within us are going to be destroyed. But when we're in obedience, then instead of delay, we're going to have progress. And then the righteous judgment is going to come to utter destruction to the ones that were actually inflicting the damage upon us. And the righteous judgment will come upon our enemies when we learn to come into obedience of God, the love of God. So going on to the next chapter, verse Psalm 82, starting with verse one. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. A lot of people don't know that scripture. They have scriptures like this. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and the needy and rid them out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the burdensome and the toilsome. Those are the people who oppress and cause slavery and different other unjust systems. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course, meaning it's not good. If it's out of course, it's out of the way that it's supposed to be. I have said, ye are gods. And all of you are children of the most high, but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. A lot is said here. For one, we're here. It's kind of talking about principalities as well, but even the people who are operating, because one thing people don't realize is the wrestle. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Flesh and blood play a role in the fight, but we wrestle not with flesh and blood. But people don't realize, for example, you know, witchcraft or other things. But really, witchcraft is the way everything comes to about. Because remember, rebellion against God is witchcraft. Stubbornness is idolatry. And we learn even in Colossians chapter three 
that the way our mindsets are, the ways our passions are, covetousness, looking around at other people's is idolatry. So our stubbornness against God and our rebellion against God is witchcraft. So what is a witch? A witch is an agent of Satan. So you're either operating out of wickedness and witchcraft or you're operating in divination, which is foolishness as well, operating out of the way of the devil or you're operating out of the way of God. There's really no in between. So when you're speaking witchcraft words, you're speaking gossip, you're doing witchcraft. That's what you're doing, because witchcraft is a manipulation in the spirit against God. Now, you may not be doing occult divination. You may not be going to that level. But like I said, pharmacon, the word witchcraft is charms. It's words that you say. It's songs. It's a lot more than what people really think it is. And like I said, people do it all the time. It's a work of the flesh. Okay, so. By you releasing these things, you're declaring your rebellion against God. You're storing up judgment for yourself, but also you're becoming a vessel for Satan because everything that is done in this realm must have a flesh vessel. So we are our treasure vessels of this earth. I mean, we are vessels of this earth, but we hold the light. So God uses us as vessels to get as well. That's part of the reason why Jesus Christ needed to come in the flesh. It said anyone that says Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh, let them be a curse for one. That would mean that Jesus would not have the authority to do the things that he did because he didn't come in the flesh. Number two, it would also mean that he did not have blood because when spirit and flesh come together, there's blood there. And that is the currency of the spirit. And that is the currency that atoned for our sins. So if he didn't come in the flesh, that would mean that there was no atonement for us, which would mean we're still stuck in our sins. So it's very important that we learn the Bible in its entirety and its perfection and continue to get a perfect understanding, get the perfecting of our faith. So it's very important that we continue after the judgment of God. And this talked a lot about unjust judgment. Unjust judgment brings the destruction of God. God will arise and judge the earth. He will judge the nations. He will judge the heathen. He will judge the nobles, the people who are in high places, the people who are in high places that are acting on behalf of God. That's why he said, ye are gods. So he's not just talking to the principality. He's talking about the, he's talking to the thing behind the people, the spirit behind people. People are always operating by a spirit. People are always sent. There's not one person in your life that is not sent so someone is either operating out of a godly spirit or out of an ungodly spirit out of a clean spirit or an unclean spirit even if they're operating out of their own flesh it says the wisdom of this world the experience of this world the learning of this world that's what wisdom means experience learning this experience that descends from below james chapter three that operates out of envy and strife and stuff like that but it says it is first fleshly then it is sensual soul level manipulative narcissism whatever you want to call it then it is devilish so devils are always involved in that false wisdom that's why we need to proceed from wisdom to understanding in god so it's not just enough to have knowledge knowledge led adam and eve to shame a state of shame disgrace it's a state it's not a feeling it's a state so it's more than a feeling that's why it said it's a shame for a woman to speak in the church. That's why it said it's a shame for a man to grow long hair. It says it's a shame for a lot of different things in the Bible. It doesn't mean you feel ashamed. You can feel proud, but it's a shame, meaning it brings disgrace. That's what it means. 
So it's very important that we walk in the peace of God, which means we're walking in the order of God. That's what makes us good. It's we're walking, working effectively, effectively. So on that effective level, your mindset, your mind is right, which means God can use you correctly. So unrighteousness brings the judgment of God. It brings destruction and it also affects the people because he said, ye are God. So the judgments that you make, the things that you act upon, the things that you say, you're acting as an agent, your flesh and blood, and even the flesh and blood of animals can be used because demons can possess animals too. Like I said, it's kind of like a matrix. This is, you are either yielding to the spirit or you're yielding to the flesh, which really means you're yielding to demons. You're out operating because Satan will use your natural impulses and overstimulate them so that you can do demonic things. So it's very important that we submit ourselves and yield to Christ because if not, even you being in the church, for example, Peter, with one moment he's walking in Revelation saying, Jesus, you're the son of God. And not even a few verses later, he yields to the flesh, speaking against Jesus, even with good intention, good intention. And he said, you're operating out of Satan. Another opera, another time calling down fire. Let's call down fire on those that oppose you. Jesus, God will decide when he needs to call down fire, not you. So them operating out of that calling down fire. And, you know, there's people who pray fire prayer and it's not always bad, but there are times where it is bad. And, you know, they didn't realize they're operating out of a witchcraft spirit, which it is a witchcraft spirit, especially in Africa. They have something called Aoife and they there's some false ministers, not all of them. Just because you hear fire prayer does not mean they're a witch. I want to make that clear. But the thing is, there are a lot of ministers out there and even ministers in America talking about Holy Ghost fire. And they're not talking about the fire of God. The fire they're talking about is a different fire. So they did not know what spirit they were of seeking destruction and bloodthirst, like the Pharisees seeking destruction and bloodthirst, foolishness, wickedness. That is the spirit behind them. They're like gods because they're operating out of the principality. So he dealt with both the principality and the person. So each and every one of us, we can be operating out of God or operating out of a principality. We may be slandering and gossiping, speaking falsely or just speaking evil. And I've been a culprit of this speaking evil, blaspheming against someone. Now, I'm not saying there's never time to talk and to get witnesses and do whatever you know this it doesn't mean you can never speak facts that's not what that means but if you're just speaking evil just to speak evil there's nothing productive coming out of your speech but you're just speaking bad about people and you're not talking about something to see a solution or god ain't leading you in that conversation you're storing up wrath and you're actually really operating out of a bad thing but it's not just in your speech it's in other things there's agents but when you pray, you're not wrestling with that person. You are wrestling with the spirit behind them. And God will judge the person accordingly. He will give vengeance to the person, too, because they had a part to play. But us fighting with the person isn't going to do anything. We need to pray against the spirits. And like I said, two of the main spirits are ignorance and want. It's wickedness and foolishness. Balaam and Jezebel. So that's stuff we need to pray against. So on to the last verse I have for today. And it's Psalm 83 chapter psalm 83 and it says the following keep not thou silence O god hold not thy peace peace is agreement another form of agreement is silence 
So if women are in agreement with their position, they would stay silent, as the Bible says. What does that mean in that congregation? So when they're in a group of people of the church specifically. Now, notice when they weren't in a group of people. So Priscilla and Aquila, they did a Bible study together. They were not in the assembly of the church, meaning they weren't in a group of people. That is an area where they both minister. Prophetess says they did not prophesy in the congregation. They prophesied to a person. Prophesied. Prophetesses always operated on a more individual basis, not in the operation of the congregation. So people like to bring up prophecy. They like to bring up testimony, but you will not find one example. Every single example you find, even with Deborah, Deborah, the so-called judge. You'll notice that she only spoke to one person. She operated through Barack. And it's also possible for it to be done in a bad way. The influence is supposed to be on a more individual level because women have more power on influence because they operate on the soul. That is the power that God gave them. The conversation that women have, the words that women have, it operates based off of their conversation. So the women that are holy, they have a more individual influence. That's also why people would stir up stuff. There's a lot of things that can be said with that. But peace, the point of it is, Holding your peace, that can be being quiet. And when you're holding your peace, sometimes it's necessary for that, but sometimes it means to be bold and to speak too. the liberty that comes in Christ. It not only liberates us from sin, it doesn't liberate us to do something. But most of the time when liberty, the spirit of liberty, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. It's talking about boldness, giving you liberty to speak the will of God. Boldness to say, this is what the fathers are doing. But we're not serving men. We're serving God. Like the boldness that came upon the people in Acts, they were going against the religious structure of that day. That wasn't rebellion. Now, people would try to twist it and say this is witchcraft, twisting the word of God, even because the devil twisted the word of God, too. So it's not enough just to look at scriptures or Bible studies. A lot of people will send screenshots of Bible studies to justify their foolishness and their wickedness. And it's very deceptive because it's a Bible study, but it's not the word of God. And even send a scripture that is twisted and taken out of context. But it's very important that we do things in mercy and all the way in the truth, in the way of Jesus. Because it says there's another Jesus, another truth, which you if you, you could say something true, soothsaying. The word soothe, it doesn't even just mean feel good. Soothe means truth. So you can say a true saying, but just because you say something true, like Balaam, he could hear God and he said true things, but he was not operating in the truth. So it's very important. Like you said, he didn't keep silence and he did not hold peace. There's a time where we need to rise up and speak, not even in violence. And even having honor for the position, being respectful to the position, because God raises up and tears everyone down. So he decides who needs to be where. And even the people that are in power are a form of judgment as well. Judgment on the people as well. He usually raises up leaders that are like the people that they're judging over. But that's that was a lot of free stuff right there. But right now he's praying that God does not keep peace. He does not agree with the stuff, but that he judges righteously. So keep not thou peace, O God, hold not thy peace. So don't be in agreement, but speak up. So silence is a form of agreement. So when you see something wrong and you keep silence, you're saying you're at peace with it. And you can either be at peace with this world or you can be at peace with God. So that's part of the reason why God will raise you up, especially when it deals with church people, because a lot of the people in the world, they're more honest. They're more wise than the people of this world. They're more learned than the people of this world. They know they're wrong. Not all of them, but a lot of them do know they're wrong. 
but it's usually the religious people like the woman at the well who will try to justify their sin and look spiritual or whatever talking about some i perceive you're a prophet after the fact that he had revealed her son like that's the type of stuff you're going to be dealing with in the church foolishness and wickedness but even then god can reprove through that he did not keep his peace but he spoke the word and truth to heal her the brokenness that he will she would be able to hold the living water that was the purpose of that so it's not just about agreement, but there's times when we're operating out of the spirit of liberty that we would speak as we ought to speak. So not speaking words that are not seasoned with grace, even though people may not like him, but anything that is speaking is grace. We know how to answer every man as we ought. Now, there's some times where Jesus didn't answer nobody, but most of the time he had something to say. Same thing with the apostles. Most of the time they had something to answer every man because most of the time there is an answer to give to people. So that is the liberty that comes in Christ. It's connected directly to confidence in heart and boldness of speech. Word and power is exactly what that is. So now they're praying. Like I said, keep not thou peace, O God. Hold not thy peace and be not still, O God. For thou, for lo, thine enemies make a tumult. The tumult is the same word that is used for confusion in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So the word that is used for confusion is tumult, change, revolution, whatever you want to say. That is what that means. So for lo, thine enemies make a tumult, a change, a confusion, a revol revolution. They that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be be no more in remembrance for they have consulted together with one consent they are confederate against thee the tabernacles of Edom the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarines Gabel and Ammon and Amalek the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre Ashur also is joined with them and they have helped the children of Lot Selah do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Caesarea, as the Jablon, at the brook of Kaishan. So what is this referring to right here? So all those nations that were mentioned were nations that surrounded Israel. And those are also nations that Israel went through to get to the promised land. But the specific story with the Midianites, that's dealing with the judge Gideon, who praised the Lord. He didn't even have to fight but he had to be obedient and the Lord fought and brought confusion to their camp. What about the Caesarea and to King Jabin at the Brook of Kishon? That's the story of Deborah and Barak. And a lot of people take that story out of context for what it means. But when, she, and what's another thing that Deborah prophesied? What did she do? All she did was prophesy and sing and praise the Lord. She, and she but she prophesied to a man. So she prophesied to Barak saying that the king, the commander, Caesarea would be delivered into a hand of a woman and it wasn't her. It was another woman named JL that took a nail and drove it through his head. So she prophesied. That's what she did. She prophesied to a person, one single person. And she was prophesying to the commander, the one that was fighting. Secondly, she was married and covered 
And like I said, she operated through the authority of God. And lastly, even in the Bible, when it talks about the women rising up to rule over men and the children will rise up above the woman, it's always a sign of judgment throughout the Bible. But like I said, that was one story that a lot of people take out of context. It's not to say that that will never happen again. But that, like I said, that's the only story in the Bible. And like I said, you have to pay attention to how she operated. It's not the way that people have twisted it to mean what it means now. And like I said, you can you don't have to believe me. You don't have to agree with me. I didn't. I wrestled with that scripture basically my whole life up until now. And I've learned the hard way too many times to care what you think. But like I said, you pray about it. I say all that in love because it's very important because it's about the order of God. It's about the peace of God. But like I said, you don't have to believe me. You go on ahead and run your own church, run whatever you want to do. Go on ahead and keep speaking your lies because that's what it is. But if I'm wrong, let me be like, I'm going to be wrong. God's going to reveal that. But like I said, it was through a lot of prayer and hard lessons in multiple different ways that I learned. Oh, no, this is why the Bible says what it says here. But like I said, there is a place for the prophetess. There's a place for everyone. And it's not the same operation, but it's very effective and very powerful because when you're in your position in God and someone above you, so-called above you, um, I don't even mean to say so-called, but someone above you, like Jesus is above us. Uh, there's other things above us, like principalities and stuff like that. When you're in order and something else above you is not in order, first of all, their prayers are not going to be answered. It says the same thing with the woman and her husband. But two, your prayers are going to be effective still. So as long as we're in the order of God, even as children with our parents, we need to be in the order of God with that too. And our prayers will be answered and their prayers will not. That's what the Bible simply says on those issues. Fathers don't provoke your children, but children, you still need to be obedient to your parents, regardless of what they do. And you still have to honor them no matter where you are at a life. I mean, why do, why do widows need to be taken care of by their children? Even if you're grown and moved out the house, you still need to take care and honor your parents. So that is very important. So back to the verse here, the Midianites, he said to do unto these other nations like he did to the Midianites. They were brought to confusion by the praise. So Psalm 149, also Psalm, I believe, 145 on. It talks about the praise and how the praise of God delivers the poor and sets free the captive and the blind or whatever. And it also talks about how the praise of God brings forth judgment. So as we praise God. It will do unto the Midianites who were brought into confusion and they killed themselves. They killed themselves due to the praise of God. And then what happened with Caesarea? He was killed. He, first of all, all his army was defeated by Israel, but he was destroyed from a woman. He was destroyed from someone that he trusted in, that he thought he could trust in. And he was wooed to sleep and killed off. And they said also do unto them as unto Jabin, who was the king of Caesarea, but he was not the commander. Caesarea was the commander and Jabin was the king. And Jabin was totally destroyed with his whole army and the commander was killed off by a woman. Just as the prophecy went, so prophecy will go forth. So basically, this is saying praise and prophecy, both are based off of understanding. Remember what also the order of God says, I know people said, God hasn't given instruction to the church and how it should operate and how we should operate when we meet. But that ain't true that you making up stuff. Psalm, not Psalm, 
1 Corinthians 14, what does it say? To sing in the spirit and with understanding, to prophesy, to pray in the spirit and with understanding. What else does it say in Ephesians and Colossians? To the sings and psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. This is a part of the warfare. Our understanding is a part of the warfare. Prophecy is a part of the warfare. And we can only have that with understanding, which means we are mentally in order. We are in order of God. Even as a woman, women can think you could be a woman of understanding and the Bible commends that. It doesn't mean you can't lead over other women. It doesn't even mean you can't lead and have your own business in other areas because we see that in the Bible. God wasn't against having queens and other stuff like that. But like I said, in the order of the church, there's a certain way that God desired for stuff to be done. So you pray on that and decide what you're going to do there. But that was the goal. Praise brought destruction and confusion to the Midianites. Caesarea was cut off by a woman and Jabin was completely destroyed as well. That's how they would be done. So according to the word of prophecy and to praise, so prophetic and praise the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So verse 10, which perished at Endor and became as dung for the earth, make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb. Yea, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. Oh, my God, make them like a wheel as stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth a wood and as flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name. O Lord, let them be confounded forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish that men may know that thou whose name alone art the most high over all the earth. Jesus, Jesus. So right here, we in all these Psalms, really, we saw praying in the spirit and with understanding. That's exactly what David did. David was a man after God's own heart. Job was another man who was very righteous. And he had, he talked about receiving songs in the night. So singing a new song to the Lord, that is a prophetic thing. And you don't have to even necessarily be good at singing. God can make you good at singing if you're not good at singing, but it's not even about that. It's about that personal prayer. It's about that personal in tuneness with God. And the thing is, he sung of judgments, he sung of righteousness, he sung of goodness, he sung of blessing, he sung of curses too. The thing is, it was prophetic. So he sung with understanding. He prayed with understanding and with the spirit. It's always been a thing. That is a sign of the spirit is him blessing you in that capacity. So, like I said, there's more revelation to destruction. And this was some of the overflow from the last episode. So the last episode kind of captured the point and this one kind of further emphasized the destruction that comes from unrighteousness. So it's very important that we make sure in the time of visitation that is coming that we are on the right side because we will be rewarded to our acts. God will not be mocked as Galatians chapter I believe six says Galatians chapter six says God will not be mocked. So we need to make sure that we operate correctly. So. As this episode comes to close, let us close out with prayer. 
All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and thank you for everything that you provided for us. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us. I pray, Lord, that you would pour, not, pour out upon us your spirit of burning and judgment as your prophet talked about. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us, that you would give us understanding, that we may pray in the spirit and with understanding, that we may sing in the spirit and with understanding. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to sing psalms that are please, pleasing unto you after the peace of God, that we would sing with psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms, looking after the peace of you and growing in the grace and the knowledge of who you are, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us in your grace in the way of obedience, that you would uncover every unjust balance and that you lead us in the balance of the way of your word the balance of the bible the balance of the bible way lead us and guide us in your truth and in your love lord we thank you and we praise you forever and i pray lord that you would lead us and guide us that you would give us a revelation of the destruction that may be happening in our life and that it's causing delay lord and i pray lord that you would give us revelation concerning others as well and lead us and guide us in the way that you desire in all love, restoration, and edification. In your holy name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, I made more podcast episodes than I planned to. I have midterms this week, week, and I also have finals this week as well. And I'm also behind on some of the work that I'm supposed to do for this virtual job thing. But it's also very flexible, so... I didn't necessarily plan on making any of these podcasts today, but I'm glad I decided to yield and go on ahead and do it. So I'm very grateful. Not even I don't really know who all listens at this point, especially since I don't really post and check a lot of the stats like I used to. But I know that people are blessed because I do get responses a lot, even if I'm not looking for it. And it is encouraging, but I don't do it for that. And I had to learn not to do it for that. I mean, I already didn't do it for that, but it's easy when you start to get the reactions to, you know, be based off of just what people think. And it's not about that. It's about what God thinks. And I'm thankful for whoever listens to this, not for the fact that you listen to me, but that God's word was spoken over you. It's not about what I have to say because I'm nothing without him. So I pray that each and every one of you receive something from this that you read and pray for yourself that you study to show yourself approved in all aspects that you compare spiritual things with spiritual things and natural things with natural things and that you're led by his spirit of judgment and burning and by his grace ultimately and that your his mercy and truth would be attached to you always but until next time god bless <laughs>